Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. I have special guests today, Marlon and Lisa Miller from the Plain Values Magazine and Juneberry Hill Schoolhouse. Thank you for coming on today, guys. Well, thank you for having us. So do you want to introduce yourselves? And so I met uh, Marlon, sorry, I met Marlon at uh, the um, Modern Homesteading Conference. I think I've said that a couple of times in my podcast lately because I met so many wonderful people and I absolutely loved their story. So I wanted to bring them on and let them have an opportunity to tell it as well. So kind of just <laughs> now go ahead and introduce yourselves. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Lisa and I have been married for 21 years, I think. And uh, oh. we, yeah, we live in Holmes County, Ohio, which is one of the biggest Amish settlements on the planet. Um, I grew up Amish. Lisa has uh, some Anabaptist heritage in, in, in the roots as well and we've uh and we grew up right over the hill from each other and didn't really even know it until high school and over the last 20 21 years or so uh we've adopted all four of our kids and uh so yeah it's been a it's been a cool fun ride so we have a lot there's a lot going on i guess i'll (laughs) i'll say it that yeah definitely so yeah you guys um you said you're grew up Amish, but you're still really close with the Amish community, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We live in the middle of, of, um, there's a valley here with what, four or five other families that that are all Amish. Mm -hmm. Uh, we are one of two that are not, uh, the other (laughs) night we all got together and it's, it's actually been a great, it's, it's a great place to be because many of the families that are here are actually also homesteaders and the other night we we uh, all got together and in about an hour and a half or so we pro- we butchered and processed about forty five uh, meat birds. And, awesome. Uh, so yeah, it was a blessing. It was good. See, sometimes we feel like an island. It's just us, and there's all these birds in my yard, and no one will butcher them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. yeah, I love that there's that community there because it's sometimes so much work and I even grew up ranching in California and come um branding season for the cattle that was a group event like nobody branded by themselves like you just got on the calendar for a weekend and all the families got together and everybody branded together every weekend yeah and so even homesteading up here I I miss that we're all going to work together community sometimes we definitely have our friends that you know, Hey, we have a project, come help us. We'll come help you. And, but that's awesome that you guys have that. It's been a real blessing. Yeah. So, well, do you want to tell them, I mean, you can share a bit about the kids if you want. I'd love to hear about the kids. I think that's a big part of your story. And (laughs) it is. Yes. That's pretty much the reason why we are doing most everything that we do from from the homesteading to the magazine to the school to everything mm-hmm. um it comes back to them so mm-hmm. really um 
I think I've had a heart for adoption since I was really young because I have a few family members who are adopted. So after we were married, when we realized that biological children were not going to be an option for us, I was ready to just jump right in right away. And so um, I think that was, even though we still had things we had to work through, you know, get over that part of thing and kind of lay it to rest, we both were were on board with adopting and we kept our uh, our profile very open um, to a lot of things. And so it was only two weeks after our home study was approved that we were matched with our oldest son. Oh, and wow. He was almost four years old. He had no diagnosis, but he had been in multiple placements. And so it wasn't until he was about 15 or 16, I think, um, that we finally had him diagnosed um, and they have placed him on the autism spectrum. So he is now uh, living in a group home. So, <laughs> um, and he's very happy where he is. He likes uh, his independence, but he still has caregivers there. And so he's very, it's very, it's been a transition, but it's been really good for all of us. Good so, for him. Um, you know, I've shared with my audience a lot. I have kids on the spectrum, kids with really severe ADHD and dyslexia and um, my son on the spectrum, we're definitely, we're having a really hard time transitioning from raising an autistic child to raising an autistic teenager. Yes. Yes. It's a big jump. It really is because, you know, when you're, you know, per personally, what we're dealing with right now is when he was little, we could tell the difference between not understanding and um, defiance. Yes. And at this age, we can't tell the difference between not understanding and defiance or hyper-focus and defiance or, you know, things like that. Like he'll go to the barn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> not right now, honey. <laughs> Addie, sorry. It's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, after he had been with us for two years, we started talking about adopting again. And then we were, <laughs> um, I love it. It's beautiful. And even <laughs> it's just real life around yes, here. It is. So they're right outside the door. <laughs> I can barely hear it. So, okay, good. I just kind of hear like a kid, like muffled kid noises. So, okay, good. Um, so at, he had been with us for two years when we started talking about adopting again. And that's when we were matched really quickly with our daughter. Um, she, they knew she was going to have down syndrome when she was born. And that mm. is the reason that she was being placed for adoption. Mm. So the agency called us and we met with her birth family a week later and, um, and they chose us and, and she was born the very next morning. So I was currently teaching in the local school district. I was teaching first grade and I literally had to walk out of my classroom and I, I didn't go back because she had a long NICU stay and she had multiple surgeries. And then we were, we, I just, I remember, I just looked at her and I thought, I, I need to be here. I need to be here with this baby. I need to be the one taking care of her. And she had feeding tube. And so. Um, you actually, it gave me chills when you said you walked out of your classroom and never went back, but it's so powerful. 
Yeah, it was, I mean, it was difficult. I loved my job. I taught on, in the local district, but I had all mm -hmm. Amish students and it was just, it was in a two room schoolhouse in this quiet little community. And I, I loved what I was doing, but I knew that the place I needed to be the most was at home with our kids. And um, so, yeah, so well, that was know, the first so <laughs> I worked in <laughs> corporate agriculture for 10 years and I loved what I did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not working with kids, but agriculture, that style of living has always just been, that's all I ever cared about. And right. I definitely had to reinvent that when I was home with my kids. And, but I knew that I would never go back to that style of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, after we adopted Adelaide, we felt like we both felt like uh, we would we wanted to and we were being called to adopt another child with Down syndrome. So we joined the National Down Syndrome Adoption Network Registry, and then we were matched with our third son. And um, so we adopted the first three kids in five years. And he was born out of state. He had a NICU stay, um, oxygen, apnea monitor, a bunch of new equipment we had to adjust to quickly. Um, but then we were back home and, and we kind of sunk into just all the early intervention things and the on the floor exercises, helping them learn how to roll over and how to hold themselves and how to hold their head up and just all of that sort of exercises that became our daily routine. And at the same time, I was homeschooling our oldest son. Um, we were adding gardens and animals as we very quickly saw with him specifically mm -hmm. that the better the food we fed him, mm -hmm. the, the better behavior we saw, the more settled he was, just all of that and the healthier he remained. And so that's when we started that transition. So, um, and then to wrap up kind of our family story, we moved to our new home. We started building our homestead here. We thought we were done adopting and, and then the, the Lord brought a baby to our door. So we were, um, we had a surprise adoption with our youngest who has mosaic down syndrome. And so he's been a wonderful addition and we're very, very blessed to have him in our family, even though he was completely unexpected. <laughs> you know what, you, you said that you couldn't have biological children, you know, the unexpected children sometimes are the best. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that's a beautiful story. And, you know, even after have, we have six kids, we, well, six or eight, depending on who you talk to what day. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, I joke, we have yours, mine and ours. And then we have hers. <laughs> My husband's uh, first wife passed away and we had custody of her two boys he had raised them since they were little and then we had them for a couple of years until they turned 18 and were still in their lives but mm -hmm. you know wow. and then my husband had two boys from his late wife I had my twins from my first marriage and now we have two together so yeah. big family with lots of dynamics and yeah we probably would have continued to have more had my youngest not tried to kill me so yeah that's wow yeah that was he was like my roughest pregnancy seven weeks pregnant I got blood clots in my lungs 
Oh, wow. And I basically spent the whole pregnancy in bed because I could barely walk to the kitchen without mm. like losing my breath. So oh, goodness. yeah, that was really hard. And we had, we literally, the blood clots happened because we were driving to our new property in Idaho from Oregon. And so, I mean, we were setting up our whole farm with me, like sitting in a chair, directing people. It was oh. miserable. Goodness. Does not sound like, fun. We got our first dairy cow and we're building the staunch in. There's pictures of me just sitting in a folding chair at the <laughs> barn. <laughs> My husband cannot build anything to save his life. He's a wonderful mechanic, but do not hand him like lumber and a saw. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm having to teach our kids how to be uh, carpenters, like from a chair. <laughs> so but we started our um homestead journey because of health reasons too and so I think it's such a big conversation with so many families that that's their catalyst for deciding to learn I mean that's really all it boils down to is learning and embracing the education that we haven't been provided the last hundred years Yeah. So you guys actually, you started a magazine to kind of get the word out there about what you're doing, right? Well, we started the magazine. Yeah, we we wanted to do a magazine. Uh, both Lisa and I love books and, and, and everything in print. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do a magazine that talks about the dignity of kids that have special needs uh, you know, from spina bifida to Down syndrome to, you know, everything in between. We have a lot of friends who have, um, you know, children that have some uh, some pretty rare uh, genetic things. And those kids have, have brought such uh, joy into their lives. It, you know, it's not always easy, but it's always, uh, it's always, it's always worth it. And we wanted to, you know, to kind of shine a light on that sort of thing, uh, along with all kinds of, you know, cool ministry stuff that's being done all over the planet. And then we wanted to talk about, um, well, I'll, I'll say it this way. We wanted to, sh- to talk to uh, all the Amish folks across the country. And so we started the magazine with the concept that it was really for the Amish population mm-hmm. because of our own roots and because of where we live. and you know, I, I can talk Dutch. And so all of those things just kind of play itself right into that's kind of our own backyard uh, market, if you will. And as we've done it these last 11 years, especially in the last couple of years, we have added a lot of homesteading content from Joel Salatin and mm-hmm. a, a bunch of other uh, folks talking about that space that a lot of folks that are not in the Amish world have, you know, found out about us or heard about us and have said, Hey, wait a second. I want to get that too. You know, it's, it's full of good news. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, we don't talk about the, you know, the, the standard news, you know, gunk of the day. And uh, we just, you know, try to kind of shine a light on the, on the positives and the good things. And, and we, we really focus on, on being a faith centered a uh, simple way of life, you know, to, to talk about how to live in community with your neighbors. And d- there's just all kinds of, of, uh, of great things. I mean, you know, Joel writes for us, Rory Feek writes for us. Uh, there's, 
Yeah, there's a bunch. Uh, Mark Gregston writes about family, and mm-hmm. we actually have um, there's a a, a wonderful w- lady who was also uh, sorry. Sometimes I stutter. She was widowed many many years ago, and she actually writes about uh, loss every month, and that has actually become one of our most popular columns. Uh, it's it's just been a fantastic. A blessing for you know for for us and many folks um yeah there's there's just all kinds i mean it's a it's not super niche in any one direction it just talks about a lifestyle that we we think holds you know much much good uh for many people so it's no it's- i love it and i you know i i share your vision i um m- m- when i was a single mom I was in college at the time. My, uh, I had a two-year-old, I had two-year-old twins. My son is autistic and I was a little lost, you know, I mean, as a single mom and trying to go to school and try to navigate therapies and everything that are going on with it. I mean, speech pathology, speech therapy, early intervention, all those pieces that you're dealing with, which I know you guys are familiar with. Yeah. Um, I had the opportunity of giving a tour of the, our school farm, uh, I went to Chico State University, um, our school farm to Temple Grandin. Wow. wow. And yeah. And so I, you know, I toured the whole farm with her and we got done and she's like, well, do you have any questions? I mean, if you've spent any time with her, she's very yeah. like, let's get this done straight to the point, you know? And I said, yeah, I have an autistic son and I just can't find any direction with him. And when I try to include him on everything that I'm doing, I get told that I'm giving him too much work or expecting too much from him. And she right in that moment said, expect it all from him and give him the work. And we were talking directly in regards to the small farm that I had going, you know, my little single mom farm, you know, we had chickens and a couple of goats and some tomatoes on our back porch, but she said, give him, give him all of that. And I realized right then that I wasn't doing him any favors by making life easier for him. Mm -hmm. And having a twin sister, I've always been able to expect the same thing from him as I get from her, just with acknowledging that he needs more help. Mm -hmm. And that has been where I've gone. That's even where like my curriculum came from as I realized there's a lot of levels to it, but a big piece of it in building character with the kids is that they need that hard work. They need that daily personal responsibility, whether they're neurodivergent or not. Absolutely. Well, we, when, when we received your, your curriculum, uh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. By the way. When yeah. we received it, Cody, it is fantastic. It is exactly what I was praying for. It's exactly what I was looking for, for our family, for our schoolhouse. It, it just about made me cry. I I did cry when I got your note. (laughs) It's up on my desk right now because (laughs) that was, I've reached a lot of families with the curriculum. It's been an answer to a lot of prayers, but as soon as I heard your guys' story, I knew that I wanted to be able to provide that for you guys you have enough trying to put, you know, with your family, you have enough with trying to put the school together. Let me provide the lessons so that you can just do it with the kids. 
I love that so much. Well, because, thank you. Yeah. Thank you again. Really. Um, it, it's, it's been, you know, Lisa and I try to sit on the porch in the morning with a, a, a cup of coffee before the kids are up, but try. <laughs> this morning it did not quite happen the way that it often does. But anyway, uh, we, we were actually discussing um, parts of our journey to the schoolhouse, you know, how, how and why um, Juneberry Hill Schoolhouse has, has come around. And, and I, I'm obviously going to hand it over to her to, to share more about that because she's the heart and the vision behind it. But it has just been incredible to watch how our family and, and then, you know, kids and families that, you know, that have come around us. Um, and then may, maybe some of the, you know, the gaps that are out there, how it's kind of, you know, kind of guided us and kind of directed us, you know, through much prayer, obviously, uh, to doing something like this. I mean, my goodness, we would have never imagined that, that we'd, you know, be in the middle of rebuilding a, a one-room schoolhouse from 1850. Uh, and now there's- so amazing. Yeah, there's footers in the ground and there's block ready for a pad and we're getting there. It's it's a process, but it's just been a really, really cool joy. So yeah, yeah I'd love to hear more about it and where you're at with it. Sure. Yeah, we um we tried many things with our oldest son. We went from homeschooling, he spent some years at a private school, he spent some years at a public school, and then he ultimately finished up with the an online charter school through the public school working at home mm. so he's done many things but he graduated and he he did it and we are just Good so him. yes the other three we have I've homeschooled all the way we tried one very brief bit in the middle with our daughter in public school yeah. and it did not last long and we had her back um, homeschooling within a couple months because yeah we found very quickly it was the best fit for her. So in, in deciding to do that, we had, I had reached out to a, a number of private schools in the area. And um, each time they told us, you know, that they couldn't accept students, you know, who had any level of needs um, that we would need to look elsewhere and that there were other things out there. And the truth is in our area where there's a lot, there's a fair amount of private schools and most of them are run by churches. Um, not one was willing um, to even give us a chance with even ideas that I had with, maybe we can staff a room, but we can be a part of your building. Maybe we can, what if we can do this? What if, you know, what if we could come alongside you and help fill in the gaps that you're feeling unsure of so that our kids can have the chance to come to your school and be a part of as much as they are able to. Um, but unfortunately, nobody uh, decided to go that direction. So that's when we were, we were still very settled in homeschooling. And, and like I tell Marlon all the time, we'd be fine if we'd continue. We could continue doing this because we do our academics in the morning and then in the afternoon, the kids are outside with me helping with the garden and the animals and the fruit and all the things we're doing. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we settled into and it works very well for our family. Um, but 
once we once we were down at Rory's farm and we visited his school, like mm-hmm. I I literally just burst into tears when I was standing in front of the school just watching his the students there just welcomed our kids in and they were showing them animals and they were playing with them and and they were just it was just an immediate acceptance which mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often for our family. So I I just looked at Marlon and I said this is what we need. This is what our area needs. This is what we need to do. And we were like, oh, there's no way this will ever happen. We just didn't see how it would ever actually become a reality, but that seed of a dream was planted there. And, and I just held on to it. Like maybe someday this could happen. Maybe we could create an option here where families aren't getting the polite no or the not so polite no at the door. Maybe we can open doors for families here and they can be a part of it. And so it, you know, we started and where what seemed impossible is now taking shape in our field. And it's really incredible to see. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, she has her board. She has her policies. She has many, many, you know, ducks already lined up. Um, and as soon as it's ready, hopefully in a couple of weeks, uh, our builders are going to plan a day and we're going to gather a group of Amish guys, probably 25 to 30 or so. And we are literally going to do an old fashioned barn raising for the school. And it's going to go up in a day. I'm going to have to, we're, I mean, we're going to do the best we can to film it, mm-hmm. but we have to be, you know, very, <laughs> you have to, very yeah. Yes. there, you know, to be careful, but yeah, it's going to be a blast. So. Yeah, that that's, I, I was so hoping you were going to say that, that is so beautiful. Um, and yeah, I understand with the videos, we were actually, we were in Ohio recently and my son had never seen um, Amish and they were coming down the road in their buggies and he was really excited and he's like, can I get a picture? And I was like, not when they're close to us. Like, if you'd like to get a picture of the buggy from a distance, I think that that, you know, so you can take it home and show your sister, but no, you, you when they get close to us, just smile and wave, you know, and he was really excited because everybody waved and some, you know, just stopped and said, hello, it was Sunday, I think. And there, there, we had passed one farm that looked like they were having a big get together. I think that's where everybody was heading and he was so excited. So (laughs) that's cool. No, that's a treat. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, you know, little kids hanging out the back of the wagon, waving at him and stuff. So he was, he was pretty enthralled. He he's 14, but he's my autistic one. So he, um, sometimes he's 14, sometimes he's eight. So, you know, <laughs> Get it. <Yeah. laughs> so, uh, when are you hoping to be able to open your school? We will open next fall. Um, we're going to spend this year just getting it built, getting everything finalized, and then we'll open up the applications for a teacher in January and open up the applications for students um, March, I think, next March, April. And so I think it's gonna be fun. We were modeled very closely after after Hardison Mill School, Mm. um, but we are going to have, we're gonna do things a little differently here and we're much smaller. So we have um, a little space and we're gonna make the most of it. (laughs) I like it. You know, I actually was able to give 
um, Rory's daughter, a set of books at the, a set of the story books at the conference. And he swung back by and he's like, you know, I really want to thank you because she sat under a tree for two hours and read all those books because <laughs> they actually relate to her life. And yes. so I thought that was really awesome that there was something for her there too. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They're, it, they're, they're a great family. Mm-hmm. They, they really are a great family. So it's been a joy to get to know them and, and uh, be able to spend time down there. Yeah. So is your school going to, are you setting it up like nonprofit or is it a private school that it is a nonprofit, um, a 501c3, mm-hmm. and in, in our state, it will be a considered a private school. It's a, a non-chartered, non-tax-supported school. So we have, um, we have done a lot of work. We've done a lot of paperwork in the last year, but sure. coming together. <laughs> um, so do you... I, did I understand correctly? You have another five oh another nonprofit that you run, or yes, we do okay. actually. Yeah, a few years ago, uh, Lisa and I saw that our readers. Uh, so, so if I can bring a little bit more context, yes, to, please. You know, early on in in the magazine, we would we would share a story about a ministry, or we would share a story about a need. You know, a family that's going through a hard time. Um, and and our our uh, the readers really really responded. They you know they would send checks and boots and blankets and all sorts of things. Uh, when well I forget the name of the hurricane that went through uh, uh, Houston. Um, okay, yeah. But that one uh, when that happened, I have a sister that's in Texas, and I had I had heard. I had heard this, you know, some some big shot on a big, you know, national uh, nonprofit, you know, Red Cross, you know, Salvation Army style thing. Um, say on on a radio interview, he said, you know, he, he was asked how much money actually goes to the field, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, I'm not really sure what our percentage is right now. I I don't I don't really know. I you know I can get back to you on that though. And I remember driving back to the office and I thought, if he doesn't know how much money is actually making it to the places that the people are giving it for, right? why would, why would we give him any money? Right. I can and understand so, not knowing the exact, but saying like, we always make sure 50% of it goes or, you know. Right. right. At least 70 or 80% would yeah. be the goal, right? And so I, in, in that next month's issue, I just shared a few words about the hurricane. And I, you know, I, I shared that, you know, that there's a, a family member, you know, that's down there. If you want to help, you know, send it here, you know, to our office and then we'll, you know, cut them a check and, and all that. And, or actually, I think I had given the actual church's address and they ended up seeing, I think 25 or $30,000 and just tons of boots. I mean, boxes and boxes of boot, brand new boots and blankets and all sorts of things. And that happened a lot. I mean, for many of the stories that, that we would share, we would, you know, ask them to pray for this and to send a check here and to do this and that. And they did it. And, and it was incredible. And so we started thinking and kind of, you know, praying through, well, what, what might it look like if we would actually do this from a from a 501c3 you know uh point yeah and 
it just made a lot of sense. And so we began uh, an organization called Room to Bloom. Uh, Lisa actually has a cool story about how that name came around, that, that brand. But Room to Bloom is really all about uh, bringing awareness and bringing support to orphaned kids that have special needs all around the world. And so a little bit more context. Years and years ago, uh, before we started the magazine at all, I, I had made the comment to her that I just wanted to see, this was in the, in the planning you know, stages of the magazine. And I had made an offhand comment to her that I said, I, I really wanna see the Lord use our work to bring home a, you know, a, a child with Down syndrome to his or her forever family. I just want to see one, just one. The rest can burn to the ground. You know, I, I don't care after that point. Well, thankfully, we have been able to play a role in 27 different adoptions of 28 different little babies with Down syndrome. And I say babies with, with air quotes because uh, there's, there's been a few families that have adopted older children as well. Uh, from all over the world. And we've been able to bring awareness and then shovel money into those adoptions. Adoption is so expensive. And many of these families are going out on a wing and a prayer and a whole you know truckload of faith. And so we actually get to share their story and we get to ask our readers to help with those if they care, you know, if they want to, mm. uh, you know, make an impact. And it has just been a, it's, it's been a fantastic thing. We've, we've been able to shovel hundreds of thousands of dollars into these adoptions and, and, uh, and then, you know, to see these kids come out of some really nasty orphanages and some really tough situations into their forever family. It's, it's a, it's a huge blessing. That's beautiful. So. I, I know that you lit a fire within my husband hearing your story. He was like, I think, I know you wanted more kids. I think you've brought up adoption. I was never, I never thought of it. And he's like, after talking to Marlon, I think let's put that conversation back on the table. So. Aww. Well, praise the Lord. That's cool. Yeah. He even was, you know, we've dealt with special needs. Maybe we should consider special needs. And I was like, let's, I will have that conversation again in a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're very busy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is never an easy thing. Mm -hmm. uh, to do it. It's never an easy thing. Like we, we used to say, um, I, I know that I used to say, well, I think, you know, most everybody should adopt. Mm -hmm. I don't say that anymore. It's, it's not an easy road. And, and I don't want to ever give anybody the, you know, the impression that, that it is, but it's always worth it. It is yeah. always worth it. Absolutely. So Lisa Marlin said you had a great story for how you named your um nonprofit. Oh yeah. The so we had um moved some rocks and things by our driveway and I we accidentally put a rock over top of a tulip bulb. And so one spring I was working out there and I noticed this little tiny plant trying to get to the sun from underneath this rock. And I I was like, oh no. And I moved the rock and I put compost and I watered it and I tried to stake it up and I trimmed the bushes back around it so it would get as much light as it could. And I just felt so bad for this little tulip. And it 
it was crooked and it was pale, but it bloomed that summer. And it was, you know, with the rest of them, it was not as tall and not as full and not as pretty, but it did its best. And, and it, to me, it just was an example of, of some of these kids that are stuck in really hard places um, overseas or, or even um, the children who are being placed for adoption here within the United States, even as newborns. So not saying that where they would be is, um, is not a better option, but if they're being placed for adoption or if they're coming out of a hard place, sometimes they just need that room to bloom. They just need to be planted in the right place. And it especially um, spoke to me with watching our friends who brought home a little girl from Bulgaria and what, what limited access she had to being outside or playing or having toys or having consistent caregivers. And then to be able to watch her bloom within a family where she goes to the beach and she has a yard and she has a dog and kittens and goats and, and a playhouse. And she is just this alive, shiny, happy little girl where before she was just this quiet little shell of a child who had experienced so much trauma in her little short life. And, mm -hmm. and so that blooming and that planting in a family and just giving that child the the basic love of parents that I, I think a lot of people don't even think about that there are kids in the world who they don't even have a, a mom and a dad they don't even have a family a place to start out from they're on their own and they develop this mindset of well I can't trust anybody and so I have to do everything myself and it it colors their whole life or it can and so it's been a real blessing to be a part of helping families who have that calling on their heart and who follow through to help give them the resources to do so. Yeah. And many people, uh, we, we, I mean, I have to include us here too. Before we uh, started this little journey, we had no idea. But the reality is that if you are a child that is stuck in an orphanage overseas, if you're not a, I should back up. If you're a child in an orphanage that has a special need of any sort, if you're not adopted out of those uh, places by five or six or seven years old, most often you are at that age dumped into an adult mental institution and 90% of them are dead inside a year. They are gone. And it, it, we just had to do something. So you're going to make me cry. Um, that's terrible. And um, yeah, I, I didn't know that. And I know so many families that have adopted and they don't even, that's not even brought up. It's yeah. not even discussed. And thank you for sharing that because I think more people need to know that. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy thing. We, we ourselves have never done an international adoption. We, we've never mm -hmm. uh, been called uh, to that because there, at the time, there were many, many kids over here that needed a home as well. And we, it, it, is, it is a very common thing 
to hear of those families walking into those those places, those orphanages to go get their child. And you have 40 and 50 and 60 babies or toddlers in a room and you can hear a stinking pin drop because they have learned to keep quiet. You know, they, they get a bottle a day, they get one diaper a day and that's it. And the people that, you know, the kids that make noise and make trouble learn not to do that. And it, it's, it's a real sad thing. I'm making a note of this for my assistant because I want to make sure that we share this story. Yeah. Well, you can go to uh, roomtobloomfoundation.com or .org. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's Room to Bloom Foundation. Yes. And I think it's .org. I think. But yeah. anyway, yeah, sure. Cody, forgive me there. I'm sorry. But Oh, no, yeah. it's fine. Thank you. There so. are many incredible families who have adult, adopted multiple children internationally yeah. who have special needs. Mm-hmm. And they, they're doing the same thing. They're homeschooling, they're homesteading, and their kids are, they're in it with them and they are just blooming. And it's so beautiful to see. That's amazing. And my podcast is listened to in 10 countries. So hopefully, and I have active listeners in those countries, hopefully you can continue to build this organization and help. I knew there, I knew I, why I needed you guys on. So, <laughs> well, thank you again. Yeah. I was excited immediately. And so when I get to the end of my episodes, I like to ask everybody what keep growing means to them, but I, I think you answered that, but if you have more, I would love to hear it. Oh man. <laughs> well, I, you want to take a stab at it? Oh, I don't know. It just, it, to me, like that's, that's our, that's our life. That's, we keep growing. And sometimes it's in micro steps, you know, when it comes to progress with the kids some days, but we keep trying to grow, you know, the school and the nonprofit, the magazine, our family, you know, what we're doing here at home with our animals and our gardens, connecting with the community, just all of those things. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for sharing. I would, how can everybody find you? I know we've been to a couple of places, but. Sure. Uh, They can learn more and subscribe at uh, plainvalues.com for the magazine. And and I should. Beautiful, beautiful magazine. Well, thank you. It is, we we publish every month uh, because of the fact that we started publishing, you know, 11 years ago for the Amish across the country. Uh, it has only really been in the last couple of years that my team and I have given any time and, and effort to the digital side of things. And so people that, that log on to, you know, to plainvalues.com, um, you know, it's, it's a great website, I think, in my, in my opinion, if I can say that. Uh, I might be a little biased, but... <laughs> We don't do, you know, massive amounts of social media. We don't do a lot, you know, just online digitally because number one, I, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I, I, I don't think it's a superly great thing for, for people. Um, and, and I know that uh, for myself, I've just kind of chosen to not put a lot of effort and time there. 
Uh, so all that being said, uh, room I struggle to- with it myself. So okay, so I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> no, absolutely not. not. I mean, I understand that it is a requirement for our businesses in this day and age. Um, I wish right. there was another way. Mm-hmm. Right. We've we've wrestled with the exact same thing for mm-hmm. for a long time. So uh, use yeah. it for the tool that it can be. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Uh, they can learn about the nonprofit at roomtobloomfoundation.org or .com. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's .org. One of those two. We'll find you. <laughs> it's on there. Uh, and then. And the school at juneberryhillschoolhouse.com is where Wonderful. we're Wonderful. Is there a way that people can support Juneberry School? Um, yes. That's a good question. Is it up and going? I believe okay. it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lisa is a much better writer than she thinks she is. And so she has done, I think, what, 10 or 11 different blog updates. I think uh, so. Yeah. We, we have a couple video things up, up there. Uh, we're, yeah, like we're working on, on, a, on, a, on an update here. Uh, so again, uh, yeah, don't expect, you know, the Taj Mahal when it comes to <laughs> video creation. We're, we're, we're learning. But uh, but it's good. No, I just was hoping there was a way we could support what you're doing. So yeah, yeah. I think there's a donate button. There. I believe there is. Yeah, yeah. and All I think right. it works. So <laughs> that's <Thank> wonderful. <laughs> so um, thank you so much, you guys, for coming on. I have loved your magazine, and I love your story. And I hope that this continues to help spread your mission. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. much. You guys have a great day. All righty. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education. And I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing. <laughs>